back to an emergency episode of Breakdown Breakdown. Um, I'm here with Hunter. Hunter, uh, how you doing, man? I know you woke up a couple hours late. Two deep breaking news that we're going to we're about to talk about. Yeah, the trade went down at like nine o'clock, but you know I stayed up late because of Bad Batch. Obviously, we did the pod late last night, so I woke up to madness, and it was great madness. Kemba number sixteen, you gotta love it. Yeah, yeah. I just did some little house cleaning before we start talking about the Kemba trade. We'll release the pod we recorded yesterday where me, you, and JD all uh, talked about our top seven uh, players and our draft boards probably on Monday. Um, and then we'll probably release this pod soon as well. So just keep keep an eye out for that. We're also having uh, a collab pod. Is that right, Hunter, this Sunday? Yes, this Sunday we're having a collab pod with uh, Ben Kreider and the Thundersticks podcast. So definitely keep out for keep an eye out for that and leave us any questions below. We'll answer them. Yeah, we're talking about the draft there as well. So leave us any draft related questions or any questions regardless. Maybe even some questions about the temperature as well. Which let's break it down to its full ex- to its full extent. So Boston is going to be sending Kimball Walker and the 16th pick in this draft and a 2025 second round pick to OKC for Al Horford. Moses Brown and a 2023 second round pick according to Woj from like you said this morning at around 8 9 a.m our time. Hunter um what were your initial uh what was your initial reaction to the trade? My first reaction was I cannot believe we actually got a trade for Al Horford going through. I honestly like I I was really bought in to that we were gonna have to wave and stretch Al Horford later on this offseason but I mean you know if Danny Ainge was still GM for the Boston Celtics, this trade wouldn't have gone down. I 100% believe that. What a way for Brad Stevens to get his feet wet. I mean, I think I saw Stephen Dolan say, uh, this isn't getting your feet wet. This is diving in the deep end. And 100%, this is what that is. I mean, make, your first trade as a president of basketball operations with Sam Presti, a little bold. But you know what? I love it. Got uh, Kemba coming from Boston. They obviously needed to unload his contract. They knew he wasn't a good fit here, and they were discussing lately how they needed to get him off the books. Trade him to Oklahoma City. Everybody had speculated that that could be the place to go because we have the cap space and we have the ability to take on large contracts. Al Horford immediately goes to Boston and improves him drastically. I mean, the Boston fans are 100% on board with Horford. He's a fan favorite there. Organization loves him 100%, and he works so well with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, so it would be great to have like a prime or near your prime Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown coming into their own playing with a stretch five like Horford. And then over here, you got Kemba who I don't think, honestly, I don't think Kemba's going to play a single second in a Thunder Jersey, but we get a number 16 overall pick in this year's draft class to come along with that. And that is huge. hundred uh, percent. I think that leaves, I think I saw Nick Crane say we have five picks from one through 36. So we have 35, 36, 16, one of the Rockets picks at either 18 or five, and then obviously our pick as well. So we are absolutely stacked on that end. If the lottery gods, you know, God forbid doesn't go that way, we can definitely trade up now. We can try and trade up because Presti's just really uh, stacking up here 100%. So really excited for that. Uh, yeah, just an overall great, great trade. I think Kemba's going to get flipped sometime soon. Uh, definitely don't really want to see him on, on the, with the Thunder 100%. I don't. Uh, we're going to be drafting probably a guard. So I don't really want to see Kemba matched up with another guard out there. You know, people saying that we've rehabbed guys like Horford and Chris Paul, but Kemba really, you know, he needs the ball out there. And I don't want him taking like possessions away from SGA or, you know, if we get like a Cater Green, I definitely want to see them, you know, have the ball more so they can not have their growth stunted by having 
Kemba sort of rehab his career here. So I definitely would like to see uh, Kemba be flipped. Maybe we can see him get flipped to Mavericks for Porzingis. I know Porzingis isn't great, but you know what? We don't have a big anymore. Actually, I think we saw we have zero centers now. Uh, Tony Bradley's left in free agency right now. Horford got traded. Moses Brown got traded as well. It's really sad to see Moses go, but, you know, had to be done. So, I mean, Porzingis definitely wouldn't take any uh, time away from anybody. So I think he'd be uh, an all right uh, candidate to have if we flip Kemba. Yeah, I mean, do you – like, what do you think the market for Kemba will be? Do you think uh, he's – because, you know, OKC's been on a recent streak of, like, trading for bad contracts and flipping them for picks. I mean, before Al Horford, it was Chris Paul. Before Chris Paul, it was Dennis Schroeder, so on and so forth. Do you think, the, do you think that the flipping train stops now with Kemba? Since I think he only has, like, two years left in his deal and went into the player option for $37 million. He's probably going to pick that up, say <laughs> <to> say. <laughs> but – that, but that gives OKC like a limited time to like you know rebuild his value so before he becomes an expiring deal. So basically, they only have until like the next next year's trade deadline to like really get something back. And if not, then he basically becomes an expiring contract. So I was just wondering, like, do you think that OKC could trade Kemba Walker for maybe you know for another back contract and maybe another draft pick or? Or what do you think? Because I know we said this about Chris Paul and Al Horford as well, but like, man, trading a Kimba contract, it's, it's going to be quite the task to overcome. Yeah, Kimba's a lot different, I think, than Chris Paul and Horford because we saw Chris. Chris, obviously, everybody thought he was like the worst contract in the league at the time. Then he, you know, he showed that he was still basically prime Chris Paul when he was with the Thunder. And now we see him with Phoenix Suns, and he's basically helping him lead to the uh, Western Conference Finals. So he's just been having a stellar year. And Horford, he was on the down burner with Philadelphia and he had a really decent year with the Thunder. And obviously uh, he, he's recognized that and the Celtics for sure recognized that. And we were able to rehab him and then uh, trade him off, uh, you know, sit him for the last couple of games and now trade him off to Boston with Kemba. Like you said, he's on a little uh, last end of his contract. So there's not going to be that much time to rehab him and flip him. I think if there's any chance of just, you know, uh, trading Kemba it's like a last ditch effort to like trade a bad contract for a bad contract this offseason uh I mean we can do what we can like playing him throughout most of next season but like you said I think the only the prime time for that would be trade him at the trade deadline next season so it's gonna be a little difficult but uh I definitely could see uh, a bad contract for bad contract this season next offseason maybe you can try and get a little playing time out of him so that he can booster his value and maybe get a pick out of him in uh, next year's trade deadline. But it, it's get, it's going to get a little tough now. We're getting, it's getting narrower and narrower. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying, I, I really don't want Kimba playing because I mean, even despite the bad contract, Kimba is still, you know, a, a really good player when healthy. I mean, last year he averaged what, uh, 19 points, five assists, five rebounds, shot uh, the three bar respectively. So I can still contribute when he's healthy, man. So, I don't know, man. If Kimba stays here, then there's a chance he's probably going to win OVC games. And if that happens, then there's a good chance that their, you know, their uh, their lottery odds uh, are worse next year compared to this year. So, I don't know. I, I want to be a big, uh, the biggest fan to, uh, of Kimba uh, being on the team next year because he'll probably impact winning more than Horford. Yeah, I, that scares me too because, like you said, Kimba's still a really good player no matter what people say. I mean – we saw what he did with Charlotte when he was by himself. I hate to see it. what he do with. I mean, well, I wouldn't hate to see it, but I'd hate to see our pick, you know, our pick value for next year go down tremendously because maybe he gets us in a plan next year. That would not be ideal, I don't think. 
So, I mean, yeah, you definitely got to do what you can to, like, limit uh, an attempt to be, like, really good next year. Because we'll, we'll have SGA, who's he'll be healthy, and then Lou Dort. And uh, our rookies, who'll be on their second-year sophomore season, so they're more improved. And then we'll have, you know, Kemba Walker out there. I, that's, I feel like that could be a play-in team, potentially. So, I definitely – we got to be careful with that. Yeah, do you think tip the funder are going to take a Chris Paul approach or how all corporate approach when it comes to, like, managing Kemba's workload? Because – I think they initially wanted to like manage Chris Paul's workload and like sit him on second half back to backs and, and limit his minutes. Do you think they'll probably do a similar approach with Kimba, especially since he's been pretty injury prone the last couple of years? Yeah, they'll probably. I think they'll go down more of the Al Horford uh, road. Chris Paul won. We were thinking of going into a complete rebuild until we were like really competitive more the middle of the season, and we had a lot more vets on the team. So I think that was more of a you know a once once. The once once in a while kind of thing. So I think it, once we get in more veterans, we're going to go down more of an Al Horford type of, type of path. We'll probably see if Kimba does play with us, we'll see him play a couple minutes and sit for a couple games and maybe even sit out the rest of the season until we can flip him at the trade deadline. This is only if we still keep him and he doesn't get traded before uh, the season starts. So I can, I 100% he's going to go down the Al Horford path. Yeah, for sure. Who do you think will have the, who do you think has the more attractive offer? Uh, or a target market, I mean, Kimba now or Al Horford before he got traded? Oh, I think it's got to be Al Horford because Al Horford already showed that he's a decent player and he could be a really – he's a really beneficial stretch five. And a lot of teams showed that they probably need that going into the uh, 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 the playoffs, the postseason. Uh, he's a leader, 100%. He's a player's player. He's uh, he's a 100% uh, a professional, just a complete pro, and he's still got the shot. And he still plays some really decent defense down low. So, I mean, obviously Al Horford showed that he's still a guy, even though his contract's a little, you know, bloated. But uh, he showed that he could be a very valuable asset to any team going into the postseason. So I think Al Horford showed that he had a lot more – he's a lot more reliable than Kemba was. And Kemba, I think his stock is at an all-time low right now. Yeah, plus Horford seems like the type of player who would be easier to fit on any team. He doesn't really demand the ball as so much as somebody like Kemba, who is like a high – Usage exactly. high volume type of guard, so that's another exactly. way. Mm-hmm. I think Mark Dagnall in the system showed that Al Horford could be like you know he's still a really decent passer too. A lot of handoff plays down low where you saw him. Uh, you know when we had like SGA and Tao out, who wasn't really we didn't have like a true playmaker out there. Everybody was basically a playmaker, and and Horford showed that he still has some skills in the passing side as well. And yeah, I mean, besides the Kimba, besides the Kimba for Horford uh, parts of the deal, what do you think of Moses Brown being with Boston? Uh, you know, that sounds that sounds like uh, Boston really wanted uh, Moses Brown in the deal for some reason. I mean, I guess they uh, really must have enjoyed watching Moses Brown put on a clinic against them. Uh, <laughs> they must have liked watching uh, Moses Brown dominate Daniel Turo down low in the last game of the season. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Moses Brown's still a young, promising player, so I definitely understand why Brad Stevens want him on the team. Uh, I'm trying to remember what centers they have right now. They obviously have Walker Paul and Walker. And so uh, taking, on, uh, taking on Moses Brown, I think that was definitely uh, Brad Stevens' move that he wanted him on the team, and I think he'll fit in pretty well. Do you think uh, – do you think uh... – Trading for Moses Brown, didn't the Celtics specifically want Moses Brown, or was Moses Brown just somebody they could fit into the deal to make the money work? Uh, it could be a mixture. I think Moses Brown's on that. What was his deal again? Like a, a million dollars for uh, you know player options for the rest of the season's go away? Yeah, let me look it up real quick. But it's relatively cheap. 
Yeah, so, I mean, it, it could be, like, you know, to add on, but they had some trade exceptions as well to fill it in. So I think it's uh, – I think it was a little bit of both, you know. They want to make the salaries match, but they also really like Moses Brown's game. And who wouldn't? He's a seven-foot, what, one or two? Uh, he's got – he's an incredible – I mean, he's a decent defender. They saw what he could do, even though it was more of, you know, just piling on the stats because someone's got to get the stats. I'm quoting Andrew Schlecht here from the Hamadou Diallo situation. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean – I mean, Moses Brown, someone had to get the stats, obviously. I, that's obvi- It was sort of like an Andre Drummond kind of thing in Cleveland or in Detroit. So, I mean, uh, he's still a young, promising player. Definitely could mold him over in Boston, see what he can do. He's still a young, promising center. So, uh, I'm excited to see what, you know, he can do in Boston. But I, I think they definitely wanted to bring him on the deal as well. It's sort. I think this is like a, a Mikic kind of thing. You know, everybody thought Mikic was just like a throw-in. But uh, Sam Presti, he, yeah, obviously he wanted him. I mean, we see it now because he was the EuroLeague MVP. And uh, we could say Moses Brown was just a throw in here as well, but something tells me Brad Stevens, he's really great at uh, noticing talent, and I think he wanted to bring on uh, Moses Brown the deal regardless. And according to some Boston fans, Moses Brown is probably better than the 16th best player in this draft. Oh, I saw those. <laughs> I mean, oh, okay, we, we all, everybody listening right now, we've all watched Moses Brown through the season. He is definitely not better than whoever we're going to pick at 16. I, we can virtually guarantee that. Yeah, for sure. And, um, yeah, speaking of, like, the general reaction to this trade, I mean, we saw some people on Twitter, like, you know, a lot of minorities saying that, oh, well, all, all OKC is doing is devaluing their own picks because they have so many and teams are going to want them to overpay for trades. And um, we saw them say the same thing when Horford was originally traded here as well. So, I mean, do you want to respond to those uh, to those comments under uh gladly y'all are stupid as hell uh (laughs) (laughs) i mean in reality though i mean how does that make any sense it's obviously you're not devaluing your picks by getting more and more i mean it's just the rich getting richer i mean if you get more money does that devalue the money for you i mean obviously not i mean presti is uh, this is a tactic that everybody uses or every gm should use whenever in rebuilding mode gather as many assets as possible so you can either trade up in the draft or whenever you get closer to contention you can trade those picks away and you can make like a paul george move that the clippers did you know they got paul george and Kawhi because they had all the uh, assets that they could trade over to oklahoma city so i mean once we get into contention you can obviously trade those picks away for a star that wants to leave or uh you know role players to fit alongside your young stars whenever they get closer to their prime and in contention or, you know, say the lottery doesn't go our way and Presti just now has the number 16 pick, the number potentially 18 pick if the lottery doesn't go our way and 35, 36 and 55. And you could package up all those picks and even your pick and move up even further in the draft. So, I mean, I don't really understand why people are saying that it makes no sense to me. I mean, this is obviously a move to like ensure basically that we can have a decent pick in this year's draft or even have decent picks in next year's draft or get decent players whenever uh, we get closer and closer to contention. Well, and I think you're really something. There's only 15 roster spots. How, how is Sam going to fit all those picks in those 15 spots, man? I'm telling you, I guess Sam Presti should have just been a, uh, an NFL GM. That's the only thing <laughs> I think of. He's got the uh, inside info, man. He knows the next CBA is going to include a 53-man uh, roster expansion. That, that's the only <laughs> reliable source is what I can say. You hear it here, everybody. NBA is going <laughs> NFL. But, yeah, I mean, I saw some people saying, like, you know, OKC's gathering all these picks. It's just going to make teams want, you know, to force them to overpay in trades. I'm thinking, like, I feel like that's kind of the entire point of collecting so many picks is that you overpay a, a trade so much that a team can't say no to it, you know? Exactly. 
And some people just, it doesn't make sense whenever they say it. I mean, you have to say it out loud before you're like, man, that's, that sounds kind of dumb what I just said. Because <laughs> obviously I think some teams will like be like, you know, have a premium on Presti because he obviously has a whole bunch of picks. But if one team offers you two picks and Presti offers you three, I mean, you're obviously going to go with Presti's uh, three because you're going to get another extra pick there. That's just how, you know, it works, you know. You, you'll be fired as a GM if you, you know, don't take the three over the two, you know. Yeah, so what you're suggesting is that there could be like a potential 2019 coalition where <laughs> everybody holds out and trading with the funder let's stay overpay. <laughs> Just a, a, a strike, Clemente. No, we're not dealing with this anymore. Yeah, and I think another thing I saw on Twitter, specifically funded Twitter, or some members of these saying that the fact that OKC traded away, you know, basically they're starting big and they're back up big. And Tony Bradley is an unrestricted or unrestricted free agent, I mean. And that basically means OKC basically has no picks right now. That's an indication that, you know, the funder are pretty high on Evan Mobley, which, I mean, Evan Mobley, I mean, the funder are high on Evan Mobley. That's fucking great. I mean, a lot of people see him as, like, a top three, four prospect in his draft. And But, like, I really don't think them trading Moses Brown and really would indicate who they uh, who they're targeting in a draft, you know? <laughs> yeah, I agree. I mean, we're not – Obviously, I think Presti is going to go BPA, rest player available over fit. I mean, if we get into the position where we can draft Mobley, I think Presti's obviously going to go for it. But there's still tons of bigs in this draft that are, like, pretty much capable of, you know, they have the talent to be on this team, and I think Presti recognizes that as well. I mean, you got Kai Jones from Texas, Isaiah Jackson from Kentucky. Uh, even uh, JD's talked about Sanguine from uh, Turkey. And I've even discussed Dayron Sharp a couple of times from North Carolina. I mean, it's a stacked big man class. So, I mean, it's obviously – I don't think they're directly going for Evan Mobley. But, I mean, I think they are prepared to take on Evan Mobley if we get in the position. But they're obviously going best player available. I don't think this has any indicator of who they're going to pick in the lottery. Yeah, for sure. Now OKC – and you, like you mentioned, how many picks OKC has now in the first – in the top 35, top 36? How many, like five, right? Five. 36, uh, 35 – 16, uh, 18 or 5, and our pick. Man, so if OKC really wants to, man, it could probably move up depending on, like, how Tuesday goes. Exactly. And I'm, uh, it just shows how, how high pressed he is on this draft class, and it shows how he's prepared just in case. Because he stated multiple times in his exit interview that, you know, a lottery's out of our hands, can't do anything about it. So he's obviously ensuring himself that, you know, if it definitely doesn't go our way, I have the ability to try and move up anytime. Like another aspect of the trade is the fact that OKC traded a pick, actually. They're 2023 second rounder, and they got back a 2025 second rounder. I mean, what do you make of that? Do you think it's just OKC, like, you know, kicking the can down the road and, like, maximizing the value of the picks? Uh, that that as well. And I also saw that uh, the pick that we got out of the second rounders is actually more favorable than the 2023 second rounder. So, uh, chess, not checkers, Clemente. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh... Yeah, I mean, is there anything else you want to talk about with this trade? Um, you know, I'm just really happy that we could finally get a deal done so Horford could go to preferred destination. We don't have to wave and stretch him. Uh, oh, this was a Carmelo Anthony situation all over again. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, but uh, you know what? Speaking of Carmelo Anthony, I hope you wave and stretch Carmelo Anthony people realize that what Carmelo has become now. So many assets we got out of that Carmelo deal that turned into Schroeder and then turned into Teo and Ah, it's, it's beautiful. So cry, Carmelo, waving stretchers, cry. But uh, yeah, I mean, just a, a wonderful trade. Maybe we'll flip Kemba down the road. Maybe we'll keep him. We'll see. 
Uh, we got a out just outside of the lottery uh, first round pick, and that's very valuable in this draft. It's a very deep draft class, so I'm just really excited. Yeah, do you think uh, do you think Sam is going to you know try to trade Kimba to his preferred destination, or are you going to try to maximize his value? Or I mean, I don't know. I feel like the situation like. OKC trying to maximize his value and Kimba landing his first destination are basically the same thing, is it not? I would say. It's basically the same thing at this point. I mean, there's maximizing his value. I mean, he, anywhere he can go where he's a contender, I think it'll be preferred destination for him. I think he wants to maximize his value uh, after having injury-riddled playoff season and just not, and not having his uh, stock be at the highest. So, I mean, if he maximizes value right now, then anywhere that has a potential of being playoff contention will be uh, – his preferred destination. Yeah, for sure, man. I mean, oh yeah, one more thing. You said you listened to the Woj pod, right? Is there anything, you know, significant or new that Woj said when he was discussing this uh, this trade? It was more just talking about how Boston is now with Horford on the team, how they how they stack up now with Horford rather than having Kemba. Talked about how Horford is ecstatic to be back in Boston and I mean, I understand why he would be. I mean, that's probably one of his favorite places to play. The fans are just really nice. They're really great to him. He's a fan favorite over there. He loves the organization, loves Brad. St- I, I, don't, I don't know if he loves Brad Stevens, though. Uh, we'll see. But I think I've seen a couple of quotes. I saw that one you posted from uh, uh, on your Twitter account talking about Brad Stevens saying, you know, Horford, oh, well, oh, well, if he had to leave for a bigger contract. But, you know, regardless, he loves the Boston organization and he loves the teammates there. He's, he has a group bond with Tatum and Brown and all of them. So, uh, that's mostly what they talked about. Oklahoma City side, they just talked about, you know, what we basically just talked about this entire pod. So no real new updates, just, you know, uh, harping on the fact that we have helipics and we can move up whenever we want to. And uh, we can move up in the draft if we absolutely need to. And not even just the draft. Like, you know, let's just, just, let's just say that LKC, you know, gets two top five picks and they look really good next year and they look like they're about to make a jump. And, you know, there's always, like, a disgruntled start every year. And so uh, that's the case. OKC can easily overwhelm a team and, like, money whoop them with draft picks to the point where they just have to say yes. And then, boom, OKC has, like, another star on their roster. And they can go from there. Exactly. I mean, there's Luka Doncic and Zion Williamson to Oklahoma City confirmed, basically. Um, no, <laughs> basically. Uh, yeah, you're right. I mean – uh, we've talked many times about like potentially getting Demonis a bonus. JD's brought that up, and I've been harped on the idea ever since. Uh, even you've talked about, you know, maybe down the road we can get someone like a cat, maybe if they're getting a little uh, annoyed at the way Minnesota's going and, you know, we're in prime contention mode, maybe we can make a trade for him uh, later down the road. So, I mean, you never know with how the league is. The league works, works in mysterious ways. I never thought in a million years that uh, Luca and Zion would be very disgruntled after like a season, basically playing with their teams. So, I mean, uh, yeah, you never know. So you got to keep your eyes out and Presti's definitely prepared for anything that'll be happening. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that about wraps it up on this. Do you have anything else you wanted to say before we go, Hunter? I'm just riding on that draft high, man. Just riding on that draft high. Exactly, man. We got to start pumping out some uh, Kimba propaganda. <laughs> Get these teams <laughs> to, to uh, like him. <laughs> exactly. Cardiac for life. Cardiac Kimba for life, everybody. Oh, man. But, uh, yeah, so thank you guys for listening. Uh, please like, share, uh, subscribe to the pod. And, yeah, watch out for that Sunday collab uh, with uh, with the other pod as well. Um, but thank you guys for listening, um, and we'll talk to you guys again soon.